Hello, I'm Rebecca Rosewood, and this is Thrice Cursed. Warning, Thrice Cursed is a true crime and paranormal podcast. It is intended for mature audiences. Some graphic depictions of violence and other unpleasant material may exist beyond this point. For more specific content warnings, please reference the episode notes. Lately, it's felt an awful lot like everyone is going through some hard times emotionally. It's honestly to the point that Luke and I even created our own weird little thing where if we see our blue shrimp, because we have a fish tank... Uh, We apparently have what is called a blue shrimp blessing, which is going to give us a good day. Uh, So yeah, everybody's just kind of going through the ringer emotionally. So because of that, this week, I decided as a little self-care treat for us all, I'd do something on the lighter side. That's right. It's time for Dumb Criminals. The people I'll be discussing today brought out the worst in themselves for our enjoyment. And for that, we thank them. Some of these were in an episode from my former podcast, so if you hear a story and think it sounds familiar, you're not going crazy. At least, not for that reason. Today, I'll be telling you all about 10 crimes that were so dumb, they were cursed from the very beginning. In 2015, Christopher Wallace was a 24-year-old man living in Fairfield, Maine. He was wanted by police for burglary and theft related to an incident at a sporting camp in Pierce Pond Township, where a propane cook stove and a cast iron wood stove were stolen on January 15, 2015. The police issued a public statement requesting the public's assistance in locating him. At first, that didn't seem to do much. That is... Until a few weeks later, when Wallace himself posted an image on Snapchat. Good old Snapchat. This image informed his friends that, despite the current manhunt, he returned home. Obviously, his friends reported him immediately because you play dumb games, you win dumb prizes. So the police arrived at his home, where 20-year-old Erica Hall answered the door. Upon questioning, she swore that Wallace had not returned home, and she hadn't seen him in weeks. At his home, they recovered the two stolen stoves, but didn't find Wallace immediately. Meanwhile, this hamburine went back to Snapchat. He posted that the police were in his house, but they couldn't find him, because he was hiding in the kitchen cabinets. So, his friends... You know, the ones from, like, five minutes ago. Yeah, they called in another tip. And the police found him immediately. Not only did he lead directly to his own arrest, but also the arrest of Erica Hall, who lied to the police and harbored a fugitive. Way to be, Wallace. Way to be. Now, if you're as allergic to the outdoors as I am, you'll probably be just as surprised as I was to learn that fishing tournaments are a big deal. I mean, I knew that they were a thing, don't get me wrong, my father person was big into fishing, like, I know that it's a thing, um, I just didn't realize that they were something worth committing a legally punishable offense over. Well, apparently, one man by the name of Robbie Rose in Garland, Texas was angling for a big win. 
uh, puns. You see, Robbie Rose had a reputation as a talented fisherman and an even harder worker. Those who knew him said that the hours Rose spent on the water were unmatched by all. Despite the time put in, however, he struggled to make much of his time in tournaments. From 1997 to 2004, he entered 21 Bass Minor League Pro tournaments and only earned a total of $667. Somewhat disheartened, Rose set his sights on high-level amateur events. Ultimately, this move paid off. By 2007, he was the highest-earning angler in the Skeeter Bass Champs Tournament Trail. By this time, suspicion of cheating in fishing tournaments was rampant. Polygraph tests were even administered after wins. Seriously, though, what even is this underground world of extreme fishing? I don't get it. Ugh. Suspicion of Rose himself began to rise when he entered a team event solo. Despite fishing against 236 anglers, all of whom were working in teams to bring in five fish during brutal weather conditions, Robbie Rose somehow managed to be one of the few teams to bring in the required number of fish. After this, Rose was soon notified that going forward, an independent observer would go out on any fishing expeditions to ensure that he was on the square. And like any fair and square champ, he dropped out of all future competitions through that particular faction. Not at all suspicious. Though he did continue to compete in other regional tournaments and continued to rack up the wins. In one particular Bud Light Trail competition in June of 2009, Robbie Rose once again competed solo in a team competition. He came in at second place, while 39 teams fell beneath him. After this, many anglers reached out to the manager, Jeff Fisher, stating that they wouldn't participate should Rose be involved. On October 24th, 2009, Rose was once again set to win big in another Bud Light Trail tournament on Lake Hubbard, a legend bass boat valued at $55,000 big. During weigh-in, it was determined that Rose had once again caught the biggest bass. While the fish was stored away in a customary holding tank prior to being released, tournament officials began to notice strange qualities in the fish Rose had caught. Fisher stated that after the examination to ensure his bass was okay to be released, they placed the fish back into the tank, and it dropped like a rock. Looking closer, they noticed a bulge in the stomach and soon discovered that it had a 16-ounce or one-pound weight that had been forced into the fish's mouth. Rose had actually been in the middle of taking his polygraph test during this discovery, and it was quickly cut short when they demanded that either Rose take the item out himself where he could watch as they did. He removed the object with one finger, said, sorry, then walked away. Don't worry, though. No fish were harmed in the making of this story. Little Bass Face was saved and later released. After a four-month investigation led by Dallas County Game Warden Tom Carbone, Robbie Rose was charged with attempted theft over $20,000, but less than $100,000. This is a felony offense. On April 13th of the following year, he pleaded guilty to the charges and was sentenced to 15 days in the Rockwall County Jail. He was also ordered to pay a $3,000 fine, placed on probation for five years, and lost his Texas fishing license privileges for five years. 
In addition, he was also ordered to serve 250 hours of community service. Just goes to show that being a janky freshwater bitch fish doesn't pay. Rose claims that his decision to rig the weight of his fish stemmed not from a desire to change the outcome of the tournament, but rather as a result of pent-up frustration. What could he have been frustrated about, you ask? Why, only years of disrespect from the fishing community who constantly questioned the validity of his catches and wins. And what better way to get revenge than to prove all of their concerns true? Smart move. Next, on October 23rd, 2014, police were called to the Wazi Sports Center due to a robbery at a sporting goods store. Upon arrival, it didn't take too long for authorities to narrow down their suspects to one individual. That individual would be 19-year-old Thomas Thorson. Thorson had not only left a large knife behind at the scene, but also his cell phone. Mind you, I forgot my cell phone in all kinds of places, and once I even left my car keys in the door of my car outside of a very busy movie theater in a mall, well, all of my possessions were inside of it because I was in the middle of a cross-state move. So... Like, leaving your cell phone somewhere conceivably isn't a big deal, but when I do leave my cell phone somewhere, it doesn't usually have a photograph incriminating me in a robbery on it. Well, Thorson's did. So, in his phone, which I guess doesn't have a passcode, I mean, come on, pal, pro tip, if you're planning on doing illegal things, bare minimum, put a passcode on your phone. I mean, obviously better to just not do illegal things, but you're gonna. <laughs> so in his phone, the police found a photo taken while Thorson was reaching through the exhaust fan. He was attempting to photograph the other side, but his face is clearly visible between the fan blades. So, giant whoops. Or, as Stan from American Dad would say, is, looks like I just picked a bunch of whoopsie daisies. Now, even if there was some really weird way to explain this photo away, the surveillance footage was the final nail in the proverbial coffin. Later this same day, Thorson attempted to cash a fraudulent check in the same town with a woman named Dawn Anderson. She'd also enrolled her 17-year-old son, Austin, into cashing a different fraudulent check elsewhere. Real mother of the year. A sweep of Dawn's home found 70 pieces of stolen property from nine separate robberies. All three were promptly arrested. Thomas Thorson was held on felony counts of burglary to a dwelling, as well as armed burglary and other charges. Don was arrested for forgery, possession of stolen property, and being party to a crime. Her 17-year-old son, Austin, was arrested for being party to a crime, forgery, and party to a crime, theft. When asked about the crimes, Black River Falls Police Chief Patrick LaBarbera said, It really turned out nice because we were able to solve a number of burglaries thanks to that photo. He really did us a favor. Oh, so cute. So cute. I love, I love when criminals help the police solve their own cases. Speaking of helping out the police, on Wednesday, November 28th, 2012, Police in Waco, Nebraska arrested 19-year-old Hannah Sabata. Just one day prior, Sabata robbed the Cornerstone Bank. One day seems pretty fast for a robbery where the criminal actually got away, right? Well, here's where that help comes in. 
On the same day of her arrest, a YouTube video went viral. YouTube user Jelly Beanie posted a video titled Chick Bank Robber. And because you're probably thinking it, let me just say, no. This wasn't a video recorded by some random bystander who happened to witness the robbery. This video was a tell-all by the robber herself. Sabata uploaded a video in pure emo kid circa 2009-ish fashion, where she held up handwritten signs and the whole video was black and white. So if that's just not giving you vibes. It was also set to Green Day music because, you know, this was clearly before the whole uh, copyright infringement thing went real big on YouTube. So Sabata uploaded this video. These signs that she held up were stating that she had robbed a bank and stolen a Pontiac Grand Am in York, which she then drove to Waco and used as her getaway vehicle. She wrote that she stole more than $6,000 and held up a large wad of cash as proof. She also wrote in this video that her motive behind the robbery was because the whole system is a game. With the money, she intended to pay off student loans and go on a shopping spree with her big get. That shopping spree never happened, thanks to her video. York County Sheriff Dale Radcliffe stated, all but $30 of the stolen money has been recovered. They also recovered the stolen vehicle. Hannah Sabata was taken to York County Jail, where she remains today. She was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison, a sentence she began serving in June of 2013. As we're seeing here, people have the propensity to just really fuck themselves over when it comes to committing crimes. And here's another one. In October of 2014, Alvin Cross of Albany, Georgia was out on probation. It was just like any other night for him, only his stash was out. Simple problems often require simple solutions, so he texted his dealer. This text read, You have some weed? Swift and to the point, usually how I like things. That same evening, there was a raid on his apartment by his parole officer and several police. It turns out that when he thought he'd been texting his dealer, he'd actually texted his parole officer. He received a one-year sentence for violating his parole, and an additional year when the raid turned up cocaine. If we've learned anything from Alvin, it's that two seconds double-checking your phone could save you two years. Or just years and years of shame and self-hatred, depending on what you're sending. Not to mention how his prison mates feel about the way he was arrested. <gasps> oh, can you just imagine? I think it's safe to say we've probably all sent a text at one time or another and felt that surge of panic upon realizing... We sent it to the wrong person. I know I have. <laughs> Speaking of the wrong person, this next story is going to be a lesson about watching what you say to a stranger because you never know who it is you're saying it to. But before that, I'm going to take a quick break. Hey, Cursed Ones. Since you're listening to my podcast, I can only assume that, like me, you're into the dark and spooky sides of life that most people tend to stay away from. If that's the case, you'll love the new partnership I'm a part of. I've partnered with Melodramatic Fine Art to bring you a beautiful set of five spooky-looking postcards. Personally, I'm framing and hanging mine. They're so cool. I'm not sending them to anybody. They're mine. <laughs> Each postcard is five by seven inches, 
has a matte finish, and features photographs of eerie, spooky shit that I just cannot get enough of. We're talking dark chandeliers, a bathtub full of dirt and leaves, random toilet brush art that you'll have to see to believe. Not to mention, the creator of these is one of my very first supporters. So if you could help me support her, head to thricecursepod.com and click the menu option postcard set or search melodramatic fine art on Etsy. Make sure to use code THRICE10 at checkout for 10% off. Hi, I'm Jenny, the host of It's Murder Up North. If you're curious about the murderous north of England, this podcast is definitely for you. I've lived in various parts of the north of England. I went to college in the shadow of Saddleworth Moor, where Myra Hindley and Ian Brady buried those five innocent children. I've worked in the city of Leeds, where the Yorkshire Ripper targeted his victims in the 1970s. Knowing how geographically close I've been to these crimes made me curious, and that curiosity became this podcast. However, my main hope is to help you see the person, not the victim. what a lovely break had myself a little bit of an energy drink and we're good to go on november 25th 2018 37 year old shanetta wilson took a trip to the dollar general store in dania beach florida it's a great place to buy super cheap crafting supplies gardening tools home decor and maybe even pass a little gas you heard me correctly it's a normal human function and everyone does it and yet For some reason, we're all still embarrassed by it. For Shanetta, the embarrassment was simply too much to handle, which kind of caused her to fly off of hers. When she accidentally let it rip while in line, a man by the name of John Walker, who was in line behind her, complained. Which, honestly, rude. I think the general consensus on proper farting etiquette here is to pretend you hurt nothing and try not to breathe. But, uh, way to be a dick about it, guy. This complaint sent Wilson careening over the edge. Wilson allegedly pulled a small lockback knife on the man, telling him she was going to gut him. Ultimately, Wilson was simply full of hot air. (laughs) As Walker made it out of the altercation just fine, and Shanetta Wilson was found by police deputies nearby and identified by Walker. Wilson was arrested and held in the Paul Rain Detention Facility in Pompano Beach. She was charged with aggravated assault (laughs) with a deadly weapon without intent to kill, and bail was set at $2,500. I could find no sources to indicate whether or not Wilson was actually found guilty. I'm assuming she was. On to people who definitely were found guilty. (laughs) On February 16th, 2010, 19-year-old Stefan Crane was arrested after a break-in to the Rivoli Republic newsroom. Crane allegedly broke in through a window, then proceeded to just do whatever the fuck he wanted. This translated to watching some porn and logging into his personal MySpace and Facebook pages. As if that, it's, that in and of itself wasn't dumb enough, when Crane had finished his shenanigans, he stole some snacks from the break room. He then proceeded to Hansel and Gretel himself into capture by leaving a trail of stolen M&Ms right to his sister's door. Following his arrest, 
Crane confessed to the crime and stated he'd been inebriated when he was dropped off at his sister's apartment building right next door. When she didn't open the door to let him in, he tried to get in through her window, which failed. Well, there had been a newspaper from Rivali on the floor next to him, which probably led to his next bright idea. Crane was remanded on felony charges of burglary and criminal mischief, as well as a misdemeanor count of theft. He was booked into the Rivali County Detention Center. Uh, and in another case of being completely inebriated, we move on. On July 26, 2009, a truly obliterated 25-year-old Mitchell Deslatte, I don't know if that's how you say his last name, but now every time I order a latte, I'm going to be like, Deslatte, give me Deslatte. God, I'm dumb. Okay. Ah, uh, so 25-year-old Mitchell Deslatte knocked on the entrance door to a hotel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm also sure I'm saying that wrong. Sorry. After being buzzed in, he drunkenly asked the front desk attendant for a room. All seems fine and good, right? But how many hotels do you know of that have you buzzing into the lobby? I personally can't think of any. Well, <laughs> unfortunately for Deslatte, the hotel was actually a state trooper station and the desk attendant was an officer. He was arrested and booked for driving while intoxicated. Whoopsie! Now, the next one is another short but good one. On July 29th, 2019, at 11.10 a.m., a 54-year-old man named Michael Harrell entered the U.S. Bank on Euclid Avenue in Cleveland, Ohio. When it was his turn with the teller, he handed her a letter that demanded she give him the money in her till. The teller did as instructed in the note, then handed him the money. This letter was handwritten on the back of a slip he had used earlier that same day at the DMV, and it had his name and address on it. According to FBI Special Agent Vicki Anderson, the teller had even referred to him by his name during the robbery. He was arrested on July 31st. Next, we'll get to probably my favorite, uh... <laughs> Riss Jones, age 21, and Carrie Mules, age 20, were two friends visiting Queensland, Australia. They were both from South Wales and had been on a working holiday visa. On April 14th, 2012, the two attended a party on the beach. They were living it up and having a good time and definitely got a little too drunk. So these two, along with an unnamed 18-year-old local, decided to break off from the main party and maybe have a little fun of their own. What that fun was honestly does kind of sound like a blast, but don't do it. The three decided to break into the Gold Coast Queensland SeaWorld. I have no idea what the 18-year-old does in this situation, as they were basically left out of the report almost entirely. But Briss Joan and Carrie Mules had one hell of a frolic. They swam with dolphins for a while. And <laughs> let's face it, if I were going to get arrested, I would want it to be for that. Not that I believe in dolphin captivity or SeaWorld in general, but swimming with dolphins sounds amazeballs. So after swimming with the dolphins, I guess they decided to shoot off a fire extinguisher in a shark enclosure which I don't really get, but cool, I guess. 
after this is where things really just pushed the limits. They actually stole a seven-year-old fairy penguin named Dirk from his aquarium and then brought him home. The next morning, these two 20-somethings wake up with excruciating hangovers and a motherfucking penguin. (laughs) At first, they attempted to take care of the penguin. Uh, They were trying to feed it, and they put it in the shower, thinking, oh, well, penguins need to be wet, so, you know, shower, obviously, what else are we going to do? We don't exactly have a penguin enclosure just lying around. Obviously, these two can't even take care of themselves at this point, though, uh, let alone a penguin. Plus, again, they're from Wales and they're in Queensland. How are they going to get it home? Like, it's a big thing at this point. So later, they were spotted releasing Dirk into a local canal. Fortunately, Dirk was later rescued and returned to his partner, Peaches. (laughs) Little baby Peaches. The Brisbane magistrate accepted an appeal not to record their convictions against the two due to their sheer stupidity. And now I'm just picturing Professor McGonagall. Ten points to Gryffindor for sheer dumb luck. Uh, I know, that was a horrible impression. I'm not an impressionist. I don't know. Don't at me. (laughs) Or do. I'm lonely. I don't. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Do what makes you happy. It's fine. They were each fined 1000 Australian dollars, which today is about $666.80. The magistrate also said, maybe next time you're at a party, you'll consider drinking a little less vodka. Wise words, magistrate. Wise words. The unnamed 18-year-old is facing a single charge of trespassing. All right, these have been the cursed tales of some idiots who did not know what was good for them. Um, I hope you enjoyed that and that you had fun. I know I certainly did. And not researching doom and gloom for a minute was very helpful to my mental state. Uh, yeah, so I hope you enjoyed it. For more cursed content, you can find me at Twitter and you can find me at, oh my God, I really need to type up my exits. For more curse content, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Thrice Curse Pod. You can also join the Facebook fan group, Thrice Curse Podcast Fan Group. Uh, um, keep in mind, I did get some kind of notification saying that I was zucked and couldn't comment uh, or, or, or post anything for about 60 days, but I'm able to comment and post. So maybe that'll change. It was literally for tr- posting some true crime memes. So I did. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) If you'd like to send in some listener stories, I would love to do another Grimoire Tales. Uh, You can do that to thricecursepod at gmail.com. You can also find all of the images to follow each episode in either the Facebook group or on my blog at thricecursepod.com. You can send me mail to 520 North Ventu Park Road, number 273, Newberry Park, California, 91320. I just did that off of memory. I'm very proud. (laughs) Uh, You can also sign up to my Patreon for $5 a month. You will be supporting me greatly. And and you get ad-free episodes. So if you are tired of hearing about the amazing postcards, which why would you be there? Amazing. Uh, You can skip it and get it for free on Patreon. Or not get it for free. Ah, get it ad free on patreon 
You can also buy merch. I am now selling merch directly through my website as there were some quality issues with the company I was initially going through. So on thricecurspod.com, you can click the shop button and find t-shirts there. I am currently working on adding different things, but right now I've got like a steel water bottle, which is kind of cool. Uh, But yeah, I will be adding more and more of the merch that has been previously available to my new shop. It's just a longer, longer process. So bear with me. But yes, there is merch available. Anyways. Oh, really quick. Also, I did do a last minute guest spot on Page Turners and Button Mashers podcast with one of my good friends, Tyler. Uh, His counterpart, Nikki, who is my best friend, she is currently studying for her, uh, wow, English, words are hard. Uh, She's currently studying for her firefighter exams and things of that nature. So she had to take a quick break. So I went on and I talked about a video game and her fiance talked about a video game and we just had a lot of fun and I made an ass of myself, which was great. So if you like dumb humor and like hearing me sound really stupid, which you're listening to my podcast, so I assume that you do, uh, maybe go and check that out. It will be the one that has my name in it. So thrice cursed something because Spotify froze, so I couldn't look it up. Anyways, yeah, so check that out. Check out the merch. Send me listener stories, pretty please. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, those fun things. Yeah, uh, anyways, <laughs> until next time, keep your curses sex. Oh my God. <sighs> until next time, keep your curses hexy and your hexes sexy. By 2007, he was the highest earning angler in the Skeeter, ba- <laughs> Skeeter base. By this time, suspicion of cheating in fishing fishing tournaments. Robbie Rose somehow managed to be the one of the few teams. The one. The one of the... Yep. Though he did continue. Continue. On October 24th, 2009, Rose was once again set to bin... Bin wig. Ugh. And lost his Texas fishing. fishing, fishing. <laughs> Upon arrival, it didn't take too long for authorities. Authorities. <laughs> On Wednesday, November twenty. <laughs> no. And because you're think. <laughs> if we've learned anything from Alvin, it's that two seconds of jubble. Jubble. Following his arrest. Crane confessed to the crime and stated he'd been inebriated when he dropped off his... After swimming with the dolphins, I guess they decided to shoot off a fire extinguisher and a shark shark exclosure. Exclosure. The less... The less? For more...